What's going on, spooky fans? This is your ghoulish host, Ruben. Have you checked the children recently? <gasps> Hi, I'm Quinn. What's up, everybody? How are you doing this week? Welcome to another episode of Spooky Husband Mystery Hour. Um, this week, we actually collaborated together on figuring out our movie. So I gave Quincy the movie choices, actually, and he got to pick which movie we saw. So the movie choices this week were... Let's see. We had um, The Conjuring. We had... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then we also had When a Stranger Calls. So I'm guessing, let's see if you guys can figure out which uh, movie we picked here. Well, I'm guessing you'll probably already you'll saw know from the, the title. Yeah, you'll know from the title <laughs> here. But, uh, Q, you want to tell them which movie? So we saw uh, When a Stranger Calls from 2006. That's right. Starring Camilla Bell and her eyebrows. Yeah, Camilla Bell and her eyebrows. Really? You just noticed like her eyebrows? No, I know her eyebrows. That's oh. like what she's famous for, is for really? her eyebrows. Oh, it's one like, of her I, things. That's her kind of one point. But yeah, so we ended up picking in the movie uh, When a Stranger Calls. And it's really funny because a lot of people actually, they were really indifferent about this movie when it came out. Like a lot of the ratings is super low for this movie, which I don't understand. I can really? see. I, I can I, see why. Yeah, okay, I, I guess it, too, because it was, like, right out of the 90s, so there was still a lot of stuff, like, from the 90s things to the two to the 2000s. I yeah, guess. it was that like, weird gray area. Yeah, so it's... You could tell that they were trying to make add-in things into this movie that were, like, I guess, new age, that were, like, you know, awesome and hip. Cutting like, edge. Yeah, and then still keep some of the old tropes. Yes. From, from the 90s kind of stuff, from the 90s horror movie films to it. And we're watching it, what... Ten years. Ten years later. Well, over I mean, ten years. Well, later. for me, I've seen this movie multiple times. I I actually really enjoy this movie, and not because it's it's got like a lot of blood and gore and stuff like that in it, uh, like some other horror movies do. But it's because to me, this movie has like a lot of natural terror and drama and suspense that yes. actually builds up. For it only being PG thirteen, I felt like this movie because I remember the first time I watched it. This movie actually did give me like goosebumps and like trembles and i was like oh that's just creepy there's a lot of uh, i will say the 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 writing i guess mm -hmm. there's lots of misdirects so yes. that you're constantly thinking wait wait what what's this what's yeah. this what's going and on then, here what's yeah. happening yeah so why don't we just jump right into the movie before we do do we have any uh new news um no if we no. want to talk about last week's episode uh, or not um no we're good then Okay. Well, I do want to wish everybody a happy Pride Month. Yes, happy Pride yes, Month. Yes, happy Pride, you know. Uh, so let's jump into this story. Um, so, like uh, like you said, uh, the movie started in 2006, or it came out in 2006, and it stars Jill Johnson, uh, which she plays. But before we get to meet her, the movie actually starts off kind of with the opening credit scenes of this carnival going around, going about, and this girl that's getting these strange phone calls that's already started and a lot of the phone calls are just people uh this person breathing just this kind of weird noises that are happening and you can tell that the kid i'm gonna go with the kid you know 13. she's a teenager her name was yeah. stacy okay and she's you know asking this person to stop calling and you know you get different screenshots of the, of the carnival going on kids laughing people things happening and you see this house that's legitimately like right next this to the carnival. This carnival was in this house's backyard, which yeah. was like, that's too much. That's way you too much. You think close. so? Oh, yes. I mean, it's probably just like the empty lot next door. And you know. I'm just trying to think if our neighbor wasn't behind us uh -huh. and that was a carnival. That'd I be would. Awesome. 
I think it'd be fun, but also I'm not dealing with that light at night. I'm not dealing with all that business. Oh, I mean, that's why you get blackout curtains. Not to mention our dog barks when our neighbors lock his car. So can you imagine? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he would have a nervous breakdown. Yes. And so we keep seeing little uh, snippets from the carnival and back and forth from the carnival to the house. And all of this takes place within probably about maybe the first five minutes of the movie. Yeah, and it's I know lots that of sounds, flashes. I know that sounds like it's really fast-paced, but it wasn't. It actually moved really Fluent, fluently, I can talk, I swear, guys. Uh, fluently through the movie, through that beginning intro. And finally, we see the light turn on, and this person standing over this person's bed, and you just hear screaming, uh, like a, a bone-chilling, curdling scream from this mm-hmm. kid. You hear stuff breaking and cracking and everything. And that's whenever we meet uh, some other characters, but they're not really major players in it. It's one of the cops from from that town, I guess. Yeah. You know, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Tell me what we're looking at. And they're like, oh, well, the coroner's still here. And he's like, what do you mean he's still here? He's been, he's supposed to have been here like hours ago. And he's, the other deputies were like, yeah, you know, he's been here all day. It's a lot to clean up. It's a lot to clean up. And so the detective is like, okay, well, tell me what, what we're looking at. And he's like, well, it's best that you just see it. So the detective goes up to the kid's room, opens up the door, and you don't get to see anything that's in the room, which I thought was actually a really great idea for them to do with this movie because all you hear is just the echoing of the screams, the echoing of the bones cracking, the, sh- the, and then the, the clothes ripping. sick. Just sick. Like you can, which I thought was cool too because they made him look like he legitimately started to get pale. Yes, like, like the color drained out of his yeah. face when he walked in. And he looked like he was going to barf. Mm-hmm. So he closes the door, steps out, and... We pan to him being outside where he's, you know, trying to catch his breath. It does look like he threw up from it. And the coroner and the coroner's men, I guess, the people, mm-hmm. are taking the body out in multiple body bags. So this is where I was like, is the killer a werewolf? Is a were- the killer a werewolf? <laughs> like, he ripped this person apart? What's happening? Yeah. But uh, when, he, when the detective asked, hey, what was the murder weapon? And they said... There wasn't a murder weapon. That was all with his hands. Because he's a werewolf. Because he's a werewolf. You know, maybe. It ties in with last week's Cursed. Yeah, you know, just call me Woofy, I guess, you know. Because I'm picking all these werewolf movies here. Right. Right? <laughs> no. But they just say, you know, hey, there was no murder weapon and everything. And they bring out multiple bags, like legitimately about five or six body bags. That's about right. right. One, One for two, each, like three, a, an four, arm, a couple arms, five, six, a head. Yeah. yeah. Both le- one leg in each bag, one arm in a bag. Yeah, because they, the they can't. A torso they in a can't bag just like throw everything in the bag, right? Yeah, evidence. Yeah, evidence. They have to, depending on where it was at, and that's where our movie starts. Then it pans to where it's like, okay, uh, kind of not flash forward, but I guess flash forward because they we uh, show I, that we are in Colorado now, where we actually meet our main star, Jill. She's a thirteen-year-old girl, thirteen, fourteen-year-old girl. She's in high school. She has a car. She has, She's yeah. 16 okay. or 17. Yeah, we're going to go with that. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Thinking of something else that I was going to talk about later. But uh, she's in high school. She's running track, and you see her uh, running through. And That track made me very uncomfortable. Gyms, you too? Yes. This track is like suspended on the walls and from the roof and on the walls of this gym, and she's running, and it's tilted at an angle. I did not like that. I don't trust it. <laughs> I kind of felt uneasy about that, too. I thought she was going to fall off the edge or something. I mean, I would fall off the edge. I'm very clumsy. That's why I was like, no. <laughs> But we see her. She's kind of distracted from this from this boy. We find out his name's Bobby. 
And we find out a little bit of evidence about that in a, in a few moments. But the coach tells her, hey, you're being distracted. You can run a lot faster because she ran, I think, like the mile in 25 seconds or like did her laps or courses in like 25 seconds. And the coach is like, you can run a lot faster than that. We know you can. And this is kind of like our first clue that, you know, Jill is very athletic. Jill is very, you know, determined and strong and powerful kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So after Jim, we find out that she's there at her at her uh, her locker. She opens up her Razor flip phone because that's what was cool in those days. Her flip phone. I love you know? it. I really, I, I don't want to spoil anything since we haven't talked about it yet, but I'm really sad we were robbed of a moment where she just goes and claps, slaps it Like shut. JoJo? Because that is my favorite thing ever. Yes. Oh, yes, I know. That's why um, I want a flip phone, but these new flip phones will probably break <laughs> if you did that. Probably. But, I want to get a flip phone just so I can slam it dramatically. Because, you know, you can't see somebody hanging up by pressing the screen button. Right. That's not... It's like, pop. There you go. Yeah. So I'll just have to say it from now on when people piss me off on the phone. Click. And then hang up on them. And this is actually where we meet Bobby, too. Where he comes in. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. Can't we talk and everything? And she's like, yeah, we talked this many minutes on this day. This many minutes on this day. 102 minutes yesterday. 104 the day before that. And 230 the day before that. Yeah. And we're like, okay, what's going on? Well, apparently, Bobby cheated on her. With her best With friend. With her best friend. They kissed. Christy. They kissed. Tiffany. They made it. Oh, Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany. I don't know why I was thinking Christy. Oh, because her actual name in real life is Christy. Ah. Yeah, that's why. Um, and so that's why. She's like, no, kind of screw you, F you, whatever, and goes to to her class, her art class, I guess, where she meets her friend. They talk about, hey, you need to stay strong. Don't let those pretty blue eyes of Bobby's like kind of fool you and everything. And... Did you see the? Did you recognize her friend that she was talking to, Scarlett? Yes, Scarlett. Well, yes and no. Um, Scarlett, isn't she? Oh, uh, the friend in Sabrina? No, no, no. Okay, yeah, the no. That's Tessa Thompson. That's Valkyrie. That's Valkyrie. Oh my God! Yes, you just said her name, and I was like, Oh, I know who that is. Yeah, I couldn't. I thought I, didn't I, I recognized that. her, and I thought she was a girl from American Idol for a second. She looks like somebody that was on the early seasons of American Idol. Oh my God! In I this didn't movie, realize that that was her. Yeah, completely does not look like her at all. Right? Like, talk about young. Yeah, she was a child. I'm mean, not saying that she's not young now and stuff like that, and looks just completely amazing and beautiful. Yeah. But in this movie too, like, I didn't recognize her that at all. Yeah. Do you know what Jill? Uh, who else Jill played in, or what other movie she played in? She was in Push with Chris yeah. Uh, Evans. Yeah, that's right. I really like that movie. Same. She was also in. It wasn't just Push. It was uh, Ten Thousand BC. Never seen it. It was okay. It wasn't bad. She was the like the cave woman person that they were trying to save. You know. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, she was in Push, and I love that movie. Like and not just because Chris Evans is in it. Same thing with Dakota Fanning. But just because that movie story and that premise was actually That's really, really cool. good. Um, I, I love it. This part when they're talking and... Jill's like, I'm not talking to Tiffany. Like, that's not... Yeah. You kissed my boyfriend. She like, gives her the cold shoulder. And uh, Scarlett looks at her and says, God, this, is this is so high, high school. school. We're, We're in-, in high school, Scarlett. <laughs> yeah, we are in high school. <laughs> I'm not in high school, but I will for sure give any of <laughs> a cold shoulder. Our third co-host, who is supposed to be silent, uh, has a lot of critiques about this movie, apparently. <laughs> As you guys could hear. He's apparently giving it zero <laughs> out of... Five chopped up camp counselors. Sorry about that, spooky fans. Now you get to see what it would be like if we had a carnival in the backyard. <laughs> that would be our life. That would be our life. <laughs> well, anyways, she tells Scarlett that hey, I can't go out to this bonfire place tonight with all with all the friends and all everybody from school. 
because I have to pay for my cell phone bill because that jerk Bobby made me go over like 800 minutes for it. She went over her minutes. Yes. It's 2006 and I love it. See, that's why I was like, oh, I love that too. And a lot of people like nowadays, they would be like, what? What are you talking about? Three nights and weekends? Yeah. You should have waited till after 8 p.m. I used to have to go to Walmart and get the Virgin Mobile card to recharge my phone when it ran out of minutes. I actually had to hang up on a phone call with my friend once because I was over minutes and had to go to Walmart and buy more more minutes. more minute cards. Uh-huh. Oh, see, no, I never did that. I never called everybody. I always bought like the unlimited text message plan. Ah, uh, yeah, and stuff, and kept my my minutes super low because I never called anybody unless I really really needed to. This was back when you could press a button and accidentally get on the internet on your phone and panic until yeah. it turned off because they would charge you. They for, would like, charge you for like the three minutes that you were on the internet, and it was like, like ten bucks a minute. Yeah, no, that was, that's just crazy. And people are like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Actually, most of our spooky fans would probably be like, yep, I've been there, Ruben. Yeah. I've been there, Q. You guys know what I'm talking about. But anyway, she tells Scarlett that, hey, I have to go to this babysitting job and everything. So we pan into the end of school day. She's driving with her dad, which is Phil uh, Carson Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I love him. Even though like Clark Gregg only made like a small little cameo in this movie, it still, it's, it's fantastic. I just, I love him as an, as an actor <laughs> and everything too. Yes. I was like, yes, thank you for him. And he drives there to this house where she's babysitting. And this house, this house is glorious. This house is gorgeous. I want this house. It's a three-level house on the lake with, yeah. It's a three-level house, a three-story house on a lake with a guest house. I just wanted to point out the the scene in the car is where I started kind of, I don't know, not liking the movie is the wrong word to say. Mm -hmm. But when I first was like, okay. Really? Yes. (laughs) Because there's something about when... Camilla Bell, Jill, yeah. isn't in action. She just looks like she's like just about to sneeze. She just has this kind of, like, she's always kind of squinting. I don't know if she needs glasses or what. But for some reason, just the way she holds her face when she's not talking, I was like, that's so weird. I think it was because a lot of those times, whenever we had those scenes, they did add in that ominous music of giving you that sense of dread or that sense of, does this feel right? You know, like yeah. how you get that that feeling in your gut. Maybe sometimes, that's what and it you're is. Like it was almost like she, to me, it felt like I don't she, know if I really want to do this babysitting job. I don't really know if I want to do this stuff because it it just I'm getting that weird bad feeling. Yeah, I feel like she she somehow overacted without acting See, when she I wasn't when she wasn't interacting with the killer or another person. It seemed like she was very overacting, like she was just trying so hard to me. But in the scenes when she was reacting with other people or on the phone or, like, running, it was fine. But when she was, like, not... I don't know. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. I've, I believe it wasn't really her acting. I think it was the the, the music that they kind of tried to put into it, which, again, I still love throughout this movie, that try to make it overly on top of... of it was trying of, to get you to feel yeah, something. to, to try okay. to, like, really connect with it and be like, man, if I was in her shoes... Like, this is creepy, you know? Like, do, do I really want to stay at this house by myself and everything? Uh, yeah, you know? that makes more sense. You know? So, she goes to the house, and we meet Dr. and, and Mrs. Mandrakis, uh, the, the two people that are going. They're like, hey, we're going to go out. This is, um, let me show you around the house. The kids are asleep because they're getting over the flu. Try not to wake them. 
Red we're, flag number one. We're, we're going to go ahead and probably go to the restaurant and go for a movie afterwards. Are you okay with staying here another like two or three more hours solo? And she's yeah. like, yeah, no we'll problem. we back around midnight. Yeah. So Miss Mandrakis is taking her around the house, and we find out that the house is has automated lights. They have a like a uh, a zen place in the middle. They have a full-on aviary garden. Thank you. Zen that's what it is. Thing. Yes, I love that. I want that. Rich people are ridiculous, and I love it. I needed that in my life. Like that was it was just really really beautiful. It's filled with canaries and koi fish and, and everything. It's ridiculous, yeah. and I love it. It's two stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Mrs. Mandrakis starts telling her about everything that you kind of need to know about of the house and kind of kind of starts laying the groundwork for the rest of the movie. She tells them that, hey, there's a there's a guest house over there just a couple of miles, uh, just a couple of a feet down the way. Our son, David, I think his name was David. I think so. We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to say David. From Dr. Mandrakis' yeah. first marriage. Yeah, that he's over there. He doesn't tell us sometimes whenever he comes. He just kind of shows up. So if you see lights over there. Don't worry about it. We have a live-in maid named Rosa. She stays here sometimes just to help clean the house and, you know, everything else. Uh, she's going to be out today because her mom's sick. So she's just coming by to pick up things and, you know, do what she needs to do and then she's going to leave. And Jill's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. The Like I said, the lights are all automated so you get used to it. So as soon as you walk into the room, the lights go on and everything turns on. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, this is no problem. This is all good. I have a list of all of the phone numbers. And they're about to leave, and Mrs. Mandrakis is like, oh, we have a security alarm, here's the code, this is what you need to do to activate it, and Jill's like, cool, no problem, I got it covered. Well, right before they leave, Dr. Mandrakis actually puts the code in to uh, to the alarm and sets it, locking her in, you know. So that her and the kids are good. Good and taken care of. And the mom says, and there's plenty of food in the fridge, and I, my first thought was like, there's probably just like Prosecco. And quinoa is like the only thing in that fridge. You think so? Just I like don't know. health food. I don't think so, especially with the kids. I feel like that they would have had like a shitload of stuff to to eat on. I don't know. Uh, the way this house is designed, I feel like they're very health conscious, and like there's probably tofu in there too. I don't know. I mean, some tofu is not bad. Actually, no, I've, I, I'm not a big fan of tofu. <laughs> I've tried like, multiple times. Leafy greens. Down for leafy greens. Some chicken, some everything. No, if I'm but babysitting, you're feeding me no, like junk food. I need pizza and like sugar and candy and all that stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so the doctors, the Dr. Mandrakis and them, they leave. We kind of get a time shot now of the house. And I love how they did this because it does make the house look a lot more ominous now. You know, like yes. the sun goes down. She's there standing in front of these two-story plated windows from top to bottom. And it's just like... The way the light reflects on the walls. Yeah. Gives the walls from like the they're water. moving. Yeah. yeah, and it just gives the house a little bit more dread, a little bit more uneasiness, like, hey, I really don't want to be alone. So this is when we actually start getting the first couple of calls. She's there, she hears the phone go off, and she answers it, <clears throat> and all you hear is just like kind of like breathing, right? The, you know, and she's like, uh, hello, Mandrakis residence, you know, what's going on? Well, the person hangs up, doesn't say anything, and she's like, okay, this is weird. After that... She starts kind of feeling a little bit more... She starts going and just exploring the house. She goes to the to, to the Mandrakis' master bedroom, which she starts putting on the jewelry. And she's like, yes, I just bought this necklace. This and everything. scene was so fucking weird. You think so? It, was, it made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> it, it was like I was watching The Orphan. Like, she was in this woman's room about to try fully try on her clothes. 
Don't. That's weird. Don't do that, you think kids. So? That's fucking creepy. <laughs> Um, We've had people house sit for us for the dogs. You think you would be okay if you came home and somebody was like straight up in our room trying on your clothes? Yeah, yeah, no, okay, I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. Yeah. So she gets another, or she hears something kind of like bang or whatever. Lots of thuds in this house. Yeah, lots of thuds. And the house is, okay guys, the, the house is huge. First and foremost, again, the house is really huge. You have to keep that in mind. Going through because when we say like oh okay you hear this like there's like the right wing or the east and north wing or whatever and it's dark as shit yeah there's not really any lights because there's no lights that stay on it's all automatic so she goes through she hears this thud and this is where we actually get to meet Rosa she's there feeding the birds in the aviary you know she waves and says hi she's like like the pigeon lady in Home Alone in Home Alone I wouldn't think like that but in a good way because she's just feeding the birds (laughs) yeah in a little aviary you know. And this is also where we get to meet Chester. Well, we met him earlier. He's the cat, which keep an eye on this because this is actually a really big trope connection to this movie. Yes. That, okay, you 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 know what I'm talking about then? No. Maybe? Probably. I just not. know he plays a role. Okay. Well, uh, Chester is this black cat that's kind of going on and you see these these white, or not white, yellow canaries that are just kind of flying around. And she gets another phone call and this time it's her friend Scarlett, you know, saying, hey... The jerk, Bobby, asked me to give you his number and stuff like that. And she was like, well, you can give it to him. I don't care. Like, I'll talk to him and tell him to just, you know, we'll leave me alone. We'll end this once for all. And she's like, well, I didn't do that, but I did give Tiffany your your number, you know, so you guys can kind of make it work because it's not really her fault. Boo. And she's like, okay, yeah, whatever. So she hangs up yes. with, with Scarlett, gets another phone call. Again, Spooky fans, this movie is about phone calls, okay? Another phone call and a person's like, hey, what are you wearing? What's going on? And I... Everybody starts to think, okay, hey, we're about to get started with, you know, the spookiness of the calls. No, it's it just a regular prank call. That happens. This is the point in the movie mm-hmm. where I would have just straight up been murdered by the murderer because I don't answer the phone for phone numbers I don't know. <laughs> and the killer would have just got frustrated and just straight up killed me within the first 10 minutes of the movie because well, I wouldn't have answered the phone. Also, I mean, the phone didn't really have, like, caller ID, caller ID. Yeah. So, I don't know. And you're babysitting. What if it's the restaurant from, from the doctor? From the Mandrakis? Well, she had the number written down. It was on the fridge. But it doesn't pop up on the phone. The phone just rings. As caller ID, we see that. In the movie. Oh, yeah, it does. But I mean, but not... Old phones like that didn't always have, like, the, oh, restaurant calling, you know? Well, if she looked at the list, she would know the name of the restaurant. But it doesn't have the name on the caller ID all the time. Certain phones only had the caller ID. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this phone did have caller ID, but it didn't... It Because, like, when I had caller ID on a, on a phone when I lived uh, back in the day, uh-huh. before cell phones, yeah, numbers could call, and it wouldn't pop up with anything. It wouldn't pop up with a number or, like, a name from stuff like that. And you would answer, and it would be, like, my dad's work calling, and my dad just checking up on me when I was when I was home and stuff or, like or that. Or could have been a murderer. I mean, you never know. I know you go straight to the, to the 100 I mark. treat a ringing phone... Like a child treats a ringing doorbell when they're home alone. <laughs> don't answer it. We don't answer the phone or the door for strangers. You're so weird about that. I've done this to you before. You've called me from work and I will not answer. Yeah. No, very true. So she's getting more phone calls and then now the one of the calls happens and again she hears like heavy breathing and whatnot and actually no, sorry, before that the alarm goes off. 
And she's like, what the hell's going on? You know, what, what's happening? She goes and turns off the alarm. The alarm company calls her and was like, hey, what's going on? What happened? And she's like, oh, I think uh, the maid, Rosa, she was leaving and I, she probably turned on the alarm. And that's where we see that Rosa is no longer in the house. Yeah, she's she not. Yeah, yeah, she left to go take care of her, her, her mom, her, her sick mom. And a few minutes later, we get another call. And again, it's like the heavy breathing and you're like, what's going on? And here pops up her friend, uh, Tiffany. Yes. Yeah. Her friend Tiffany. Her friend pops up, Tiffany, and that actually is played by uh, Katie Cassidy. Do you know who Katie Cassidy is? No. Katie Cassidy, she's actually in Arrow. Did you ever watch Arrow? The TV show Arrow? I've watched it with you, but she was in Gossip Girl. Uh, She's in Click. She was, oh, you've seen her. She was a Ruby in in, uh, Supernatural. The blonde haired Ruby. Oh. Yeah, that's her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. She plays a great. She she plays a lot of great roles in, in other movies too, like that. But she's there, and she's like, "Hey, come on, let's talk about this." You know, "Hey, I'm your best friend. Let's work this out." And she's like, "How are you, my best friend? You made out with my boyfriend and stuff." And she's like, "Come on, I Chill. was with him first. He saw you immediately broke up with me like the next day just to go out with you, and you said yes. Like, how is that at all? Cool? I just wanted to get the kiss that I deserved, Jill. I'm a bitch. You know that. Everyone knows that." <laughs> well, Jill ends up kicking her out of the out of the house, and she's like, "Well, first, first and foremost, how did you even get in the house?" And she's like, "Oh, the garage door was left open. Didn't you open that?" And she's like, "No, I guess Rosa did." And she's like, "Jill's like, okay, cool. You know what? Whatever. You need to leave. I'm babysitting. I can't have people over. Kind of get out and kicks her out." And, and Tiffany's like, "All right, fine, bitch. Bye. You know, like in a loving way. Yeah, you love know? you, bitch. Bye. Yeah. Love Whatever. you. Miss me. Exactly." So she gets in her car, and all of a sudden her car's not wanting to start or, or anything, which is a little weird. A little weird. And you start hearing, again, more ominous music, more everything, and you can see that she's just feeling weird. And this is what I love about some horror movies, because it's the wind that tells you, like... Yes. Like, you get, you just get that bone-chilling This scene was and you're like, really well done. Okay. Like, you sort of knew what was going to happen, but you didn't know what was yeah. going to happen. And you could just see, like, her stress and her anxiety start to slowly grow. When she gets to the car, because, like, you, everybody's gotten that feeling before of being watched, mm-hmm. you know? And it just makes it a lot worse whenever you're just, you don't know if it's true or not. So she makes it to her car. She finally gets her car to turn over, and she starts backing up when she sees a tree that's been thrown down in front of the, in front of the, the gate. The wind blew it down. And she's like, well, okay, yeah, maybe the wind blew it down. The wind's getting strong. So she gets out of her car to, uh, to get the tree out of the, out of the way. I did want to say this part. I wrote it down in my notes and I just looked at it. Uh When Jill gets into the house, why didn't the alarm go off? She didn't have it reset. She never reset the alarm. She just turned it off. (gasps) Okay. See, I didn't catch that. You were paying better attention than I was. Because I was like, how did she get in without setting off the alarm? Yeah. Because whenever she turned off the alarm the first time, the phone rang and she went to go answer it. So she never reset the alarm. I never. I didn't catch that. Yeah. She didn't reset the alarm until after Tiffany left. I'd be a dead bitch if I was in this movie because I would (laughs) have done that. Yeah. And so Tiffany's trying to move the tree out of it. And all of a sudden, again, like you hear the wind rustling a lot harder and you can tell that she's getting a lot more scared, a lot more freaked out. And then before you know it, boom, that's it. Yeah, you hear like, like a boom and the screen goes black. Yeah. And it pans back into Jill and Jill starts hearing the, the front door, um, the, the handle jiggle, somebody knocking at the front door. And she's like, Tiffany, just go away. Like I need to work and stuff. And by the time she opens the door, there's nobody there. That would have immediately... That's immediate leaving. 
I'm leaving this home. Yeah. Like, there's nobody there. Tiffany's not there. And, well, Jill thinks it's, like, it's another joke. You know? Okay, Tiffany's fucking with me. You know? So she closes it, and this is when she turns back on the, the alarm system. So she's going back and forth. And finally, she gets another phone call. And it's the guy ask the... We're just going to call him the killer. And he's like, hey, you're home alone, aren't you? And hangs up. And it's been really mysterious calls. She calls the, the company... Or she calls the operator... And it's like, hey, I'm getting these strange calls from, from this number. Um, I'm here babysitting. Can we do anything? And they're like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll call the phone company and ask them to kind of trace the call for you and stuff like that and see what's going on. But if he's not saying anything lewd or obscene or threatening you in any way, there's not a lot that we can do. Which, unfortunately, even That's now true. at times, it's true. You, they, unless there's a certain action happening, they, they can't really take any – they can't take action on their side. You know, just kind of try to help you as much as possible. So she's like, all right, fine, whatever. Well, Bobby calls and is like, hey, sorry, some guys were pranking you. Um, I made them stop, whatever. And she's like, hey, I need you to tell me the truth. How many, How many times, times have they called? Have they been calling you like, many times? Only once. Like, I don't know what's going on. We don't have a lot of a lot of service out here, so it's really even hard to get out a number. And she's like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to be mad, but you need to be honest. Is that only been the once? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's only been once that I can find out. And so she hangs up with Bobby, and then right immediately right after, she gets another phone call straight from him. And, oh no, not, not from him, not from Bobby. It's from Tiffany, because the caller ID pops up on this one saying, uh-huh. hey, it's Tiffany, because she already called once. And Jill goes, hey, come on, Tiffany, like, I see your name on the caller ID, you don't have to you breathe. Dummy. Yeah. And he's like, this isn't Tiffany. In the... That deep voice that he mm-hmm. has, you know, this isn't Tiffany. And she's like, who is this? What are you doing? Like, why do you have Tiffany's number then? Or like, what's going on? And he hangs up. And she kind of goes around the corner and gets another phone call again that says, have you checked on the kids? Okay, see, but you ruined it. You ruined the moment. You have to say it like he does. She picks up the phone and she's, and she's looking like, out the Hello? window. And look, Yeah, she's looking out the window and, have you checked on the children? And then the most dramatic... She drops her hands and the phone falls out of her hand. And it's so dramatic and I loved it. It was great. And the other thing that was really cool is because she's actually never gone to the second landing, Spooky fans. She hasn't, she hasn't gone, gone she up to hasn't the second floor yet. Because again, she was trying to let the kids sleep because they're getting over the flu. And there's this really creepy, like, tall person statue there. Yes. So you, she keeps looking around the corner of it and it does look like somebody's just standing there on the landing. There are several statues in this movie that do that. Because there's yeah. one in the living room where she's sitting on the couch mm-hmm. And it constantly looks like there's somebody standing behind her in the window. But it's actually a statue. Exactly. It got so, me a couple of times watching this movie. I thought it was Yeah, I thought it was the, I thought it was the killer. Like I thought he was there. And so she runs upstairs, opens the door, and to see the kids still in the beds. And she closes it and then immediately again she she comes downstairs and gets another phone call. And she answers it and he was like, So were the kids okay? I saw you go upstairs, kind of thing. And she freaks out because she can. She knows that now she's being watched. She now, now yep. we know that the killer can actually see her. So she thinks that the killer pro- is probably outside. She closes all the windows, calls the police officer back, and is kind of going over everything about, hey, this is what's happening, this is what's going on. 
And the cop is like, okay, you need to stay, you need to keep him on the line for 60 seconds. Okay, 60 seconds so we can trace the call. We can try to find out what's going on and what's happening. And I'll send a cop car and it'll you be know? there in 20 minutes. Exactly. He's like, is there anybody else in the house with you? Can Can you do anything? And she's like looking around and, you know, she sees Rose's car. And she's like, well, Rose's car is still here, the housemaid. Um, let me see if I can find her and, you know. We'll we'll be we'll be better together. Yeah, and the cop says, "Yeah, that makes you feel better that somebody's yeah. there with you." Yeah, and so she hangs up with the police officer, keeps the phone on her with like the little clip that it used to come with, you know? the little clip yeah. on the top. Those are awesome. And <clears throat> she's looking around the house and she starts exploring the house. And this is where we actually see one of the lights turn on at that guest house that we were that was told. About. Yes, the guest house, and then yeah. a. a a shadow uh-huh and, walks it, and it's got like ad- it's got automated lights so she calls the house well before the shadow comes by she calls oh. the house and she's like hey david um or rosa if you're over there can you please come to the house somebody's been calling me somebody's been calling it out i just need somebody kind of to be here with you with me um kind of freaked out and this is where we see a person walk uh, across the the window thing, but mm-hmm. the, win- the window is covered with blinds, so you can't really see who it is. You just see the shadow, and she's like, "Okay, cool. Somebody is over there." So she starts calling everybody from the restaurant. She calls Doctor Mandrakis' cell phone. She calls her dad. She calls everybody, and of course, nobody, nobody wants answers. to answer their phone. Yeah, see, and if that was you, and I'm calling for like help and stuff, and you're not going to answer from a phone that you don't know, you could have killed me. Well, you could. Oh, well, oh, oh let me guess. Well, you should have called from your cell phone. You should have. Bull effing shit. Sending F- a text you. message. F- you. Oh, really? A text message? You don't answer those anyways. But anyways, let's get back to the movie. She finally gets like enough courage and she's like, all right, you know what? She grabs a weapon. She grabs a flashlight. She looks at the distance. She's like, I can run that easy. 25 seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Apex she, Predator, baby, all day, every oh, day. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> Anyways, well, I don't hate that movie. It's just really bad for Crawl. But she gets ready. She turns off the alarm system and hauls ass to the, to the guest house. She gets there and opens up the door and nobody's there. Okay? Nobody. She, Nobody. Completely empty. Completely empty. Everything's going on. She's like, what the heck? I just saw somebody here a few moments ago. She gets a phone call from... <clears throat> from the the killer or the killer is I guess calling that the guest house's number yes and she sees it and she lets it go to like voicemail because she's like I don't know this person and you just hear the breathing so she goes and really quickly picks it up answers it and she's like what do you want and she sets her stopwatch where are you yeah what's going on like what's happening what are you doing why are you doing this to me kind of thing and he was like kind of chuckles and laughs and hangs up and she looks at her stopwatch and she's like yeah, a minute and, thir- and three seconds. I got you. And she's like, yeah. And she's looking at the phone. And she's like, wait. Picks out the phone from her other pocket. And she's like, damn it. He called the wrong phone line. The wrong phone he line. She couldn't track him. He called the wrong number. She couldn't track him because that's not the right one. And I feel like the killer knew that. Yes, you know, for he's, sure. He's getting a lot more like braver and playing around with her a lot more. So this time she looks back at the house and sees another light on the inside of the house. Go on. Where Rose's like, room is. Where Rose's room, or I thought it was the kid's room. Oh, that too. I thought it was the kid's room. And she's like, crap, crap. Okay, one more time. And then this time she just hauls ass back to the house to run him back there. Poor girl. But I'm telling you, you can see her determination now in this one. Because, again, the music is making it a lot more ominous. And the, the wind. wind is crackling and everything. And she gets smacked in the face by a tree branch so hard that the tree branch broke. Cut, cutting her face and everything. But she didn't care. She just she drops her flashlight. And just keeps running. Just keeps going. 
gets in the house, closes the door, locks it, sets the alarm again, and starts looking around. So this time, she has the cell, her the house phone, and she starts calling Rosa. And she's tracking because she keeps hearing it ring. She, she hears it ring, so she's tracking the where the ringing's coming from, and she goes downstairs, I guess. Kind of like a little lower area, yeah, uh, like to a, a split level kind of thing. Yeah, like just a step down little section. Yeah, and she finds the washroom, the the, the mudroom area kind of thing, and she sees Rose's purse there with her keys and her cell phone, and she's like, okay, there it is. And again, this is one of those jump scenes where there's a person standing behind her, but it's not really. It's like it's like a, a it's a hat and a coat. A hat. And I like, thought Rosa was <sighs> going to be dead in the dryer. If I that's what I thought too, because the dryer's you. light was on too. I was like, yeah. and it focuses when she walks out of the yeah. room. It, kind of pans down and focuses on the dryer. It's like, oh, she's yeah. dead. And then you hear the shower go on upstairs. So she's like, what the hell? So she starts going upstairs. And as she's going upstairs, she gets another phone call from the killer. And again, the killer is heavy breathing. And she's like, why are you doing this to me? I'm not going to be here long. I've already called the cops. Dr. Madrox is taking me home. Dr. Madrox is taking me home. I don't even live here. Screw you, dude. And she's like, what do you even want? Like, she just keeps asking him questions to stay on the line. You know what I mean? And he's breathing hard. And finally, she gets to the door right where the shower's going off. And as soon as she opens it, he kind of is like, I want your blood all over my body. And which, I mean, and it's creepy. Because the way that that he's just breathing and talking about it. And he hangs up after, like, chuckling a little bit. And she's like, oh, like, that's just disgusting. And when she opens the door, she finds, we find uh, Tiffany dead on the floor. With her cell phone kind of right there. You missed the spot. So she, yes, she opens the, the... the oh, the, the curtain. curtain, and That's there's right. nobody and in there's the nobody. shower. Yeah, and she as she turns it off, she hears a cell phone ringing. Yeah, and it's Tiffany's, and phone, Tiffany's phone laying right next to her dead body. Yeah, where she was uh, asphyxiated. She yeah, was, asphyxiated. she was strangled because you could see like the the blue out of her eyes and stuff like yeah. that already. Again, where she lost, uh, and she's being lit by the cell phone. Yeah, by her face, and it's crazy. And you see her like she screams and it's creepy and everything like that. And she gets up and starts running out, uh, out of the room, of the room. And this time, you know, she's like, okay, screw it. We're getting the kids. We're going to get out of here. We're, we're, we're done. No, before that. Sorry. She gets a call. She gets a call again, and she thinks it's the killer. And she's like, what is wrong with you? Stop it and everything else. Well, no, it's the police officer. And he's saying, hey, we were able to trace the call. You kept him online long enough. And this is one of those famous lines that a lot of people know, but they don't know where the movie is from, actually. The, call, the caller the the call calls are coming, coming from, from inside, inside the house. house. Get out of the house, Jill. You know, and this is when she freaks out, drops the phone, and just runs. She goes to grab the kids. I wrote when she runs into the room. Uh She starts pulling the blankets up, and there's no kids. And I just wrote, "Oh my fucking god, they fucking dead." (laughs) Like that vibe. Those children are dead. (laughs) Fuck them kids. I mean, that's how you've been treating them all night. Fuck them kids. Leave them. They were asleep. I would leave the kids alone too, unless they woke up. Because even when Mrs. Mandraka says, "Hey, if they wake up, you'll know that they wake up." You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, paranoid, and I check when I babysit. I check the, the kid constantly. No, I would always let them sleep. I'd be like, all right, cool, whatever, you know. But anyway, so she checks the kids. She can't find the kids, and then we go and see. She goes to like a toy to, room. To a toy the... room, yeah. Which, by the way, this kid's room is gigantic. Anyways, she goes and sees like this chest that's in there, and she kind of sees like a sleeve hiding out of it. And she's like, okay, that's weird. So she slowly goes up to it, lifts the, the, the chest up, and sees the two kids there. And she's like, hey, I'm Jill the babysitter. We, we got to go. We, we're leaving right now. Get your stuff. Come on, let's go. And walks out of like the toy room, I guess. And she walks into the bedroom, and there's the dresser has been moved in front of the door. 
Hell no to the now. And now, she notices now. this too. Like that's the first thing she sees, and she's like, "Oh no, this is bad." Hell to and the now. again, you get that sense of weird feeling that somebody's watching you, and she yes. slowly looks up, and the room has like rafters. Which what is, is this crazy. exposed beams in a children's room? That was. I mean, that's it's crazy and awesome, but. She sees the killer, and this is the first time we actually get to see the killer. So she freaks out. I thought he was uh, fucking T one thousand for a second when he first because he, he kind of looks like T one thousand because the way they light him is he looks like the guy that plays T one thousand. But he jumps down mm-hmm. and he runs towards the door, and she slams it shut and grabs a toy and ties. Uh, uh, it's a lamp, uh, a, a lamp, a lamp, and she ties the cord around the door to. Another like hook that's on like the wall. A coat hook. Super smart, by the way. And she's telling the kids, "Hey, get out from that window. Go, go, because it leads to the atrium." And they can climb down the tree. And they and climb right down the tree the and everything. And so she's she's going. She ties that off. She gets out of the room too. And when they get into the atrium, the door's locked. So they're you know, locked. In so the they're atrium. locked in the atrium. And she's like, "Crap! What are we gonna do?" And this time we start seeing the lights go on from from the bedroom, just slowly around to where the stairs are at. And you're like, "Oh shit! What's happening?" Only to find out that it's it was the cat. Chester. I guess. Yeah, it was Chester walking through the house. Yeah, walking through the house. And you're like, oh, it's just the cat. And she turns around, and the killer is right behind her. He's got that horror movie super speed shit. That super speed, on. silent running thing. Yes. He's right oh, behind her, staring crazy. at her through the glass. So she freaks out. And again, she does another smart move. The atrium is wired with a built-in... Automatic mister. Automatic mister. Which is cool. So she turns it on all the way to the max and has it going, and she hides in the mist. She hides the kids in these bushes that are kind of closer to the door, and she gets in the koi pond underneath one of the bridges. And the killer's like, This was genius on her part. Yeah. I can't see them. Let me go in there. And he unlocks the door and goes in, leaving the door kind of open, kind of not. And... Finally, he gets to a certain area, and Jill sees that he's away from the door and tells the kids, run. Like, go, go, go. I'll stall him. And the kids step on some rocks, which, of course, they have to. And from there, we see the killer kind of turn around at the kids and starts trying to chase them. But Jill makes a distraction, I guess, some splashing in the water, and she, he starts going after her more. Which this part I thought was just really kind of interesting too because, again, you're focused so much on the kids and thinking that he's going to do something to them that you kind of forget about Jill and be like, okay, no, she's hidden. She's fine. No, the killer didn't forget. No, he knew she where she was. Yeah, he knew exactly where and started trying to like grab her from under the bridge. Well, she drops down underneath the water and uses her feet to kick the bridge up. But what does she the... find underneath the water when she gets underneath there? Oh, yeah, she finds Rosa. Dead Rosa. Dead Rosa in there. She was strangled and then... Rocks were thrown on top of her. So, so she was waiting down and you wouldn't yeah, see her. And you wouldn't see her. Which really is sad because I was like, damn it. But again, you don't see some of these S until later on. And, and uh, so she flips him into the water and uh-huh. they kind of struggle. And she runs to get out. And Sire tries to slam the door to the, the atrium behind her. And he grabs her hair. Grabs her hair. And which this I thought was really cool because she kind of put her hair right there at the door thing and slowly kept pushing the door to push her head out and just kind of have her hair caught. Well, she's struggling and she just – she takes it like a champ and he lets her rip her hair out. Yeah, because she's trying to find the kid to help the kids because they can't reach the latch she put on the top of the door. Right. But she rips her hair out. And I will tell you from experience, having your hair ripped out by a door or window 
hurts. Yeah. Bad. She jumps over this open window area that's kind of... It's uh, like, like a like, little... Like a cutout. A cutout in the wall for... for yeah. Knickknacks, knickknacks, and stuff, and gets to the door and kind of flips it over, and she sees that the kids aren't there anymore. They went to go hide again because they couldn't reach the latch. Which these kids you know, are smart. Yeah, these kids are smart too. And she's like, "Come on, kids, it's Jill, the babysitter. We have to leave. We have to leave." And all of a sudden, you see a canary, a, a yellow canary. They're just sitting on on the on the stairs, and she's like, "Wait, what? What's going on?" And looks over and sees that one of the windows have been shattered by the killer. I guess, or the plexiglass. Yeah, he shattered. picked up the fountain and yeah, threw it through the damn window. Through the window. And so she's like, crap, we have to go. Finds the kids, gets the kids out of the house. And right when she's about to get the kids out of the house, the killer grabs her again and throws her against, like, behind her. And you're like, oh, Jesus, this is a huge game of, like, cat and mouse that's kind of going huge on. Huge game. <gasps> Wait. You figured it out. Thank you so much. Oh, I love your face expression on this. I just realized, but, because they show Chester yes. eating one of the birds. That's right. Good job. See, that's what I was actually going to talk about, too. But anyway, so he throws her back. She's like, she's trying to get away. She gets up to her feet super quickly again, tries to go up the stairs, and he's grabbing her by the foot, and she's kicking him. Like, every single time that he grabbed her, she kicks him in the stomach. She fights. She's, like, beating the shit out of him, and I'm loving it, too. Because when she gets kind of to the top of the stairs, he grabs her by the belt loop, and he she does, like, this roundhouse kick kind of thing, mm-hmm. and knocks both her and him off of the stairs. And she goes down hard yeah, on her stomach. like, she hits hard. So finally, they get. She moves to the living room. He's there trying to strangle her because he he pins her back down and like is choking her. She, she picks up a bottle, the bottle of tequila that, that Tiffany was going to drink out of earlier yeah. and tries to smash it and she misses and hits the fireplace. I think it was intentional. I don't no, think so. Yeah, I think, she, I think, I think, think so. it slipped out of her hand yeah. and shattered. Because and then she tries to grab like the poker from from the fireplace, but she can't reach it. So she touches the remote that starts off the fireplace and creates like this big. Explosion, like explosion that kind of knocks him off knocks him off balance. the thing and this is where like you know again she she gets like that energy and she gets back up gets the fire poker and stabs him in the hand pinning him to, to the ground to the to the hardwood floor and she runs out and right when she runs out she runs into the cops and this is where the movie starts to uh, to find its ending okay we're, we're pretty much at the end of the movie and she's there with the cops and the police officers, you know, having a blanket around her. You see the Mandrakis' kids are with Dr. and Mrs. Mandrakis, and they're safe and everything else. And you see the, the cops bringing out the killer. Something I want to notice to all of you spooky fans, we never actually get to see the face of the killer. Nope. Throughout the whole movie, his face is blacked out. Only thing you see is how tall he is, how, like, I guess, not muscular. Because I mean, he doesn't look muscular, but you can just feel like his... His malice, his... Uh, his his presence. His presence, his negative energy, I guess, from it. And they put him in the cop car, and as they're driving away, she's looking at him, and the light just signs enough where you can see his face and his eyes and just see the sense of, like, I would have died hardcore. Yeah, he would have murdered her. Like, without a second thought. You can just see that, that evil inside of his eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. So they take her to the hospital. She's there at the hospital, and she... Kind of wakes up and hears a phone ringing in the hospital because there's nobody around. And she goes back into the room and she's like, screw that phone. I'm not answering it. And closes the door and there's a mirror behind the doors and there's the killer there behind her again. Well, she wakes up and it's a dream. You know what I mean? But she's very, she's having like PTSD. She's having like really bad anxiety of, of it all there. And that's where the movie ends. Oh, we also find out, sorry folks, that after the cops take him away, that he was tied to 15 other murders around the county. Uh-huh. Um, and just one more murder from a carnival that was 125 miles away. 
So he so, killed Stacy and hauled ass yeah, to kill Jill. Exactly. And that's where the movie ends. So, really quick question for you, Q. How, what did you think of this movie? Have you seen it before? We've started it before, but I uh-huh. fell asleep. Okay. And this time? Since this time, awake? I liked it. I would give it three chopped up camp counselors. Okay, perfect. I actually was going with a 3.5. Okay. I do like this movie a lot. I do feel like it's a really good movie, especially for like teens and young adults. If you're just now getting into horror. Yeah, like it's a really good movie just to emphasize that drama-ness of it. You know what I mean? It doesn't always have to be about the blood, the gore, the the violence and stuff. This one was just really suspenseful. It was really more dramatic, especially with the music that kind of added everything to it and brought it together. I I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I like it. I like watching this movie. This is one of those movies that I I will watch multiple times. And I, I, I will say this is a remake. Yes, it is a remake from the original one in 1979. Oh, I bet that's even creepier. Yeah, it was. It actually has a higher rating on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb than than this one. Than really? the remake. Yeah. There's actually a second one too that they made that's called When the When a Stranger Calls Back. Ooh. And that one picks up right in the hospital where when they take her at the end of the first movie. The killer's killer broke out of the out of the car um from from prison or not from prison on his way to prison and he meets her back up at the hospital and continues the game of cat and mouse. Oh, wow. In the hospital with, again, where it's harder to track. And so that one's a, a really interesting movie, too, if you haven't seen that one. That one came out in 1993 when they finally made the second portion of it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say, too, before about Chester was, if you notice, every time that she kind of starts getting freaked out and when the killer is, like, kind of messing with her, he pops up. Is he the cat? Is she the mouse? You know? That was, like, the significance that I saw that oh. every time that she got a call... Chester would pop up, and it was like the killer was there watching her. Okay, see, when you said, is 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 he the the killer, my brain for some reason went to the beginning of this episode where I was like, he's a werewolf. And I was like, wait, is <laughs> he's he a werecat. Is he one of those cat people from, from Nightbreed? From Nightbreed? Was it Nightbreed? Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers, there yes. you go. The cat yeah. people. That's a great movie, too. I love that movie. But, yeah, so that's what kind of the significance, too, with Chester was on those some of those parts. Because, like you said, he was there eating the cat, or eating the mouse. See, or, sorry, eating the bird. That makes me like this movie a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Okay. That there were, uh, that there were hints that I didn't pick up on with yeah. them alluding to him being the cat and her being the mouse. It yeah. being a game of cat and mouse. It never dawned on me. Yeah, that, that, that they was... had those things. Other cool thing I thought about this movie is that it does have a lot of connection with other movies. Like a lot of people always pull from this, and this is actually one of those movies that started up from that urban legend of the babysitter. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stories about it and everything else. But did you know that it's actually a true event? It's, yes, it's not an urban legend. Really, you do know? Yes. Okay, awesome. Do you know about it? Um, I don't know the full story, but it happened in like the the late '60s. I want to say uh, earlier. It actually happened in 1950 with a 13 year old girl. There you go. Yeah, she was uh, babysitting actually, and the only phone call that they got from the police was saying that she was being chased and heard a lot of rustling, and they didn't have anything else, so they were trying to call back the number. Nothing was happening. Again, this was way before caller ID and cell phones and everything. Yeah. Like it was rotary phones and everything. So this is when they still had to unplug your phone line and plug it into yeah, another pretty one much. And so it's it's harder to trace a call that's kind of coming like that. And they didn't find the girl dead until hours later, where the parents came back home, and you know saw her dead. And it. I want to say I've heard. 
I heard it on another podcast. Probably. I was reading the story, and I really wanted like, to read the story in more in-depth about it all, because the killer actually didn't even touch the kids. The kids were left asleep. He just killed the babysitter. Just killed the babysitter and left. And they, I, like I said, I need to read the story because I don't really know for sure if the killer actually ever got caught for her death. Yeah. Like super, super, super spooky. If any spooky fans are listening and they know some of that information, shoot me a line. Let me know. Because like I said, super interested about this, this cold case. If it, uh, if it ever got solved, if it is still a cold case in yeah. the 1950s. Because that's just super I'm look crazy it up when and bizarre. We get recording. Yeah. Um, but overall, like I said... I give this movie a 3.5, and I know people are like, well, Ruben, if you like it so much, why is it a 3.5? Again, it is it is made more for like the teens and young adults kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? It's very, it's, I don't want to say Disney-esque horror, but... Yeah, the, I wouldn't say Disney-esque horror, because Disney-esque horror reminds me of um, The Haunted Mansion. Yeah, no, it's not like The Haunted Mansion. Uh, it's There's something about the acting... That's kind of off to me, and I think that's the reason I don't like it. It's like a B plus movie. Yeah, it could you know, have been it, a. It's not like an A, but it's just right there. Like, oh, you're at eighty nine. Sorry, one more point, you would have had ninety. This was the kind of movie that they would give an up and coming star yes. in the early two thousands as a vehicle. Yeah, like okay, hey, here's your role. Try it, try it out. Yeah. See what you do. Like everybody has. And Camilla movies. Bell did a pretty decent job. I think she did a really good job with with her acting and the way she is. Like you said, some of it was a little bit more over the top, ham fisted. But, but I think it worked with the the premise of the movie. It kind of did. It. I think what it is is it took what I'm going to assume would be the. I don't want to say campiness, but you know how horror movies were in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. It tried to take that personality and kind of bring it a little bit more modern and it didn't translate that well yeah it didn't move super super well with it yeah but it still it still works definitely spooky fans check this movie out um we saw it just because i I actually own the movie but i believe you can watch it on voodoo or pluto pluto yeah on pluto uh free on pluto right now so do check it out also, uh, don't forget to check out the new Conjuring movie that's online. Definitely made me we, do uh, it. I, we're probably going to watch that tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited to watch that. Um, we don't sponsor. We, we weren't sponsored or anything to say that or anything like that, but I just wanted to let people know to watch that because, again, it is super cool horror movies that I'm very down for, like, the paranormal movies like that that just give you chills. And Ed and, Ed and Lorraine Warren stories are just, like... And also, I love... My cup of tea. Both of the actors that play Ed Lorraine. Yes, Ed. Oh my God, the actor that plays Ed. Patrick Wilson. Yes, so much. Yes. Wow, <sighs> from the uh, Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> uh, like everyone says, sploosh. Sploosh, <laughs> indeed. Um, I want to talk about a movie really fast before okay. we leave. Okay. Um, last weekend, I watched Greenland, starring Gerard Butler. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was an incredible movie, and I highly recommend it. It is what two thousand, uh, what twenty twelve should have been. Oh, okay. Okay. It is. It takes. It's great. It is one of the best disaster movies I have seen in a long time. Nice. And I'm not saying like because I like Irwin Allen movies, but this is probably the most well written and well acted movies that I've seen in a while, and also ties into this movie. Really? Yeah. Okay. One of the characters in that movie played uh, Officer Burroughs. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He was also in Brightburn. Yeah, and he was in uh, The Office. Was he? Yeah, he was um, Ray. Roy? He was Pam's first boyfriend. Oh. Before I've, she got with Jim. I've never seen The Office. 
for shame. Yeah. Shun him, spooky fans. No, I'm just kidding. Shun the non-believers. Shun. All right, spooky fans. Well, that's it for our episode today. Don't forget to drop us a line on Facebook. Don't forget to uh, let us know what, how we're doing, what we're, what you're thinking. Review. If you guys have any movies that you want us to review or review us, please feel free. Shoot us a line. Check us out on Anchor, everywhere that you listen to your podcast. Let your friends know what this is because, again, we're pretty yeah, awesome. Sure. Eileen, I mean, we feel like we're pretty cool, so. I thought you said Eileen for a second. I was like, what? Oops. <laughs> All right, Spooky fans. Well, like always, tune in next week for our next awesome, chilling movie. And And stay spooky. spooky.